Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and this is the Masters of Divinity Coronavirus Happy Hour. <laughs> and I'm here with Father Chuck. Hey, it's uh, it's it's 11 a.m. for me. Uh, yeah, he's not. It's that's that's happy hour for me. Um, not not for Chuck because he is in Hawaii. I am in Hawaii, and I am I am I am dressed like a priest right now. Awesome. Awesome. It's uh, staying on brand. I like it. Well, you know, and uh, I mean, I'm in, I'm in my office. Uh, it's the generally you'll get like one day a week that I come in here. So I'm I'm here and uh, I have it's weird. There's no books other than the, the ones that were already here when I got here. Um, mm-hmm. And like I've only been in this office maybe maybe five times yeah. since I got here. So it's weird that it's mine because it doesn't really feel like mine. But All right. Yeah. So it it'll become home soon. It will, and hopefully I'll have like I'll have to find another angle in the office, like because I to record, and hopefully I'll have like, you know, because like I had the, I had the art barge, you know, canvas mm-hmm. behind me at one point. Oh, you know, some, some fun background stuff. Yeah, dude. Totally. I should totally put like if I'm gonna use a bookshelf though, I should totally put like Easter eggs up so that like and like see if people <laughs> we can make a thing out of it. If people notice things that like relate to the episode, like little. Little piece. Yeah, that yeah. could be fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be fun. So I gotta let's 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 give an update. Um, you're probably wondering, do any of the members of Masters of Divinity uh, are, are any of them infected with COVID nineteen? Uh, I can say that I don't think I am. I could be. I haven't gotten tested, so who knows? It's asymptomatic, <laughs> and I go out a lot. For errands, errands, right? I wear gloves, but you never know. So I don't know. Maybe not. How about you? Um, you know, here's here's the thing. I, I, I as far as I know, not had it. Um, Good. Would love to. Would love to get the antibody testing because I suspect that I have antibodies. Um, oh really? What here, makes you think so, that? well, because there's this theory out there that I've been intrigued by, which is that that the virus has been in our community in the United States for a lot longer than we thought. Since like I did hear about going that. back to like November, and mm-hmm. um, I had had a I had had a meeting with a prisoner um, back in November um, at my church in Florida, my previous parish, and about two days after our meeting, she was admitted to the hospital with pneumonia, like suddenly, on, really quickly onset pneumonia, like super severe pneumonia, um, that was unprecedented. She wasn't really feeling too many symptoms. And then suddenly while she was driving from one meeting to another on the interstate, she felt extremely fatigued and suddenly like, like just, just pulled into the hospital and they checked her out and she had some kind of crazy case of pneumonia. They actually, like, I had to send her out to Arizona for like, like breathing therapy treatment stuff and all this stuff. And I have wondered since that happened, if she may have had it. Hmm. And I may have also, because she was in my office with me, you know, just days before this happened, if this had not like spread to me. And like around that time, of course, you know, family members and, and other folks had had, you know, a couple of mild colds here and there. So, you know, for a lot of people. And it's also flu season. It's also that, flu season. That time. Yeah. But like the thing is, is this for her, it was just very like mysterious. Hmm. And I'd be interested to find out. Like it could be obviously it could be totally wrong, but it'd be really fascinating to find out if she had it. And like my whole family has been exposed to it and we all have antibodies yeah, um, or, or whatever. Um, and that's the thing I guess with this that I'm really intrigued by is it would be great to find to, – once you start doing more widespread testing, particularly antibody testing, I think we're going to find 
that I mean we're already the evidence is already there to suggest that it's way more widespread than we know. And as a result of that, that means its infection rate or it's like symptomatic infection rate or whatever mm-hmm. is way yeah. lower than we've been anticipating. Maybe. Um, and um, it would be very it'd be very interesting because like, like right now the infection rate is, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like three percent. And and that's but that's because they're only testing people who are showing severe enough symptoms to warrant testing. So, you know, once you kind of spread that out, it changed mm-hmm. the infection rate and, and, and different things like that. So I don't know. It's, it's a it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing. Um, maybe maybe we had it all along, like our whole lives, and something happened just to awaken it inside of us, and we're all just kind of waiting for it to happen. It's already coming after you, baby. It's already in you, baby. It'd be pretty amazing actually to find out if it is like some kind of dormant virus we've all had, and just somehow it just got activated. Uh, as far as I know, Matt's okay. We we joked on an episode that he had coronavirus, and today that seems extremely insensitive. <laughs> it was one of those things where we did it, and we thought that it was it was funny at the time because it was yeah. still kind of like, eh, this isn't really. It it may or may not. Who knows? And it was then, like I, I was pretty much treating it like SARS. And like within the past like month, it became like the well, like the second leading cause of death in the United States or something like that. Yep. They sure um, did spike after that episode hit, <laughs> or yeah. before that episode actually even. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry about that, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, as far as I know, does not have COVID nineteen. Uh, he's 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 doing fine. Yep. Uh, yep. I don't know, but he's not here though. Yeah, he's he's working. I'm telling you, I'm thinking that Matt. I'm thinking that Matt for our podcast is kind of like is kind of like at this point Barry Allen in the flash comics from like the eighties to the nineties because like Barry Allen was known through his absence rather than his presence. I was thinking more like that uh, guy on the Tom green show that just laughed. And then one day he just kind of disappeared and they put a cutout of him in the in behind Tom green. I don't remember that. I actually never really watched the Tom green show. Oh, okay. Well, I know I was a bad, bad millennial. <laughs> Well, he, Tom Green, when he wasn't out doing dumb stuff, he had like a, a desk portion of the show, and he had right. that one dude he always like picked on, and a guy that kind of sat in between them was just a dude who laughed, and he was like always like a, a mug of coffee, and he just laughed. But then after a while, then one day he just like disappeared. But they had like a cardboard cutout of him in the back of the stage. They just just standing, just sitting there. So we're we're all COVID free, as far as we know. <laughs> As far as we know, I mean, we can see right now on the screen that JP is working through a case of Corona right now. Hey, hey, yeah, they say it cures uh, dad jokes. I don't know. What, 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 I can't even. I was gonna compile a bunch, but hey. then just went out of control, and people started actually making the jokes. Well, you yeah, remember last last yeah. episode, what like what six years ago that we recorded? Um, was it was eighty four years ago? But yes, was um been 84 years we we made that comment about how you know we were going to see those corona jokes like yeah you know like oh a case of corona is like you know i said by cinco de mayo you're going to say oh you got a case of corona or whatever and that was going to be a joke about like a hangover and that as soon as we finished recording i found a comment on a thing on facebook or on, on instagram making the joke mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah yep um so, so what have you what what have you been doing 
Chuck, to kind of keep yourself uh, sane in these times. Um, well, you know, I mean, have you been? Have you? Is Hawaii? Have do they have you ordered sort of to be in in place or? What's yeah. the sitch? So uh, we have a stay-at-home order um, that um, applies to um, every island has their own little kind of different way they're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, for us in Oahu, we have. Um, it's called like better at home, safer at home or something like that is the, is the, is the mayor's name for it. Um, it is that you are basically, you work from home. Um, you are allowed one day a week to go to your office to take care of things in the office. So like if you have to sign checks or collect mail, things like that. Um, as a priest, I am allowed on Sunday to go into the church, you know, pretty much by myself to record um, a service to put on or to, to live stream a service for folks. Um, so, so, and then of course you're allowed to like, like most places you're allowed to go out and get food, groceries, things like that. And also allowed to exercise. Um, the interesting thing for us is that all of our cases in Hawaii have come from, um, residents returning from the mainland, um, mm-hmm. and a few from tourists, but mostly from residents returning to the mainland. Um, we don't have super widespread community spread here. It just hasn't really happened, particularly on, in Oahu. I mean, we don't know because our testing is obviously not 100%. But the evidence is there that we have very mild community spread and that when we found it, we've been managed to mitigate it pretty good. Um, but um, as a result of that, we are afforded some things that a lot of places in the, other, in the United States are not allowed. Like um, I can still go surfing or swimming in hmm. the ocean. You can't hang out in a beach park or just sit on the beach. You have to be in the water. Um, you okay. can cross a beach park to enter the beach. Um, there's also a few kind of tucked out of the way hiking trails that are still open. And so um, we've done that. Um, and then uh, I've set up a little home office and all that. Uh, but I, I will say in terms of so that's the stuff I've been doing to kind of keep myself sane, even though it's kind of tough because we still feel like we're home a lot. Um, have you, have you gone out to catch some of the sweet Hawaiian waves yet? I have been surfing a few times. Yes. Unfortunately, um, the only board that I have, um, all my boards are in my pod on their way over right now. We still don't have our stuff. Um, I had ordered a board from, um, a surf company, um, in California that makes a really great, um, soft board. I wanted to buy it because it would be, you know, easy to transport for, um, every, uh, it would be good for using to teach the kids when they're ready for that. And, and, and it would, and, it was supposed to get here sooner than my pod, um, an eight foot, uh, board. And then, um, all this stuff happened where they've not been able to ship it to me. And so oh. we'll now probably not get here till after my pod, but you know, it is what it is. Um, oh, yes. yeah, but, um, but I did find on Facebook marketplace, like a really cool little four foot 11 quad, um, mini Simmons style board that, um, can work in smallish waves and unfortunately it's not the time the places i've taken it out have not been good waves for that size board it's been more of a longboard wave spot but i did go out at um near queens in waikiki the other day and managed to catch it a little bit um i will say where i that spot where i was was kind of was kind of uh interesting because um uh there were a couple of shallow reef spots where i was paddling and i hit the reef with my hand or i felt my fins scrape on the reef when i was paddling Ooh. back out um, kind of interesting to have that experience yeah. to go from like a sandy beach to yeah reefs corals yeah coral but um sea turtles around all kinds of fun stuff like that 
But um, yeah, so I've been out. Um, we found one little uh, kind of out of the way spot here. Um, not exactly a secret, but it's uh, kind of an out of the way spot that has a nice little protected cove that um, produces some waves over a lava rock reef. And there's like mountains behind me. And um, there's these really beautiful tide pools, some of which are deep enough to snorkel in. And you can see. So cool, man. You're like surfing in a new, on like a new planet, you know? Oh, dude, it's, it, it totally is. That's awesome. It's like being in a dream. This is. Yeah. It. And what's. It is it is also immensely interesting to have had to be going through such a drastic change in life during this time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the move out here was interesting. And then to be here for these past three weeks, almost four weeks, um of adjustment to a place where you can't really go out and explore as much as you would like to. Yeah. Uh, we've walked the neighborhood and, you know, we've gone to grocery stores and, and, and different things like that. But there's so many like little like, you know, there's so many like cultural centers and things that we just haven't had the opportunity to really take advantage of to really teach you about the place. Plus, I haven't met most of my parishioners. Um, mm-hmm. um, I've taken to calling them. I try to get to like two or three phone calls one you know a day if I can get it. But trying to do all this with small, highly energetic boys at home that can't go anywhere very much um, makes that very difficult. And so it's been a, it's been interesting to really be in more of a receptive mode rather than a go and do mode. Right. Which is probably really good um, for a, for a Howley mainlander like myself, because it's really (laughs) important for us to, I've, I've come to realize it's very important for us to listen and be receptive when coming to a place like Hawaii rather than to like, Impose because a lot as uh, white folks have done a lot of imp- imposing uh, on these islands and um, it has not it has not been good for us so it's been a it's been kind of nice for me to be in this position of listening and and watching and learning rather than trying to like go out and do a bunch of stuff. That's cool, man. That's um, good. So yeah, so um, so yeah, we are under the stay-at-home order, but it's it's had its it's had its blessings. Of course, things are very uncertain. Um, church is um, we're a church that most of our income comes from our rentals, and mm-hmm. so if people need if people can't pay their rents, we're we're going to be in uh, a dicey yeah. place. So, so does that. So before we move on, I'll make a quick little detour. Sure. Just a, just a quick detour because I want to I want to get your opinion. How do you feel about uh, these churches in the mainland? I don't know if they're in Hawaii. Uh, meeting in uh, having like parking lot, um, <laughs> parking lot services where they people kind of stay in their car in the parking lot. The dude preaches from like the uh, inside the church or over Facebook or whatever. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 that's a little complicated. I mean, it's a, it's a complex thing to kind of talk about because there've been a few Episcopal parishes that tried it where they were doing Mm -hmm. like drive-through communion. Um, and, um, which is gimmicky. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know. Well, so let me, let me answer it two things. There's two different ways of approaching church, right? Like my church is a sacramental church. So for us, like the, pretty much the main thing that we gather for is to receive Holy Communion. Like that's what we're here to do, right? The preaching, um, the music, the, the, the readings, and all of that is in service 
for us to get to the main event, which is to receive the sacrament. And so the challenge that we have faced as a church is how to have church without the receiving of the sacrament. And so that's caused us to dip into more of our bit more reformed Protestant parts of Anglican Christianity um, than our more Catholic sacramental parts of it. And that, but that's a, a piece I can get to a little bit later if we want to. But the other thing is, is, that the, is that there are other churches where the main event is preaching, hearing the sermon. Um, and for those churches, like, I don't know, knock yourself out. If you want to have, if you want to have drive through church again, I think it's gimmicky, but you know, I don't, I don't know why you can't, why you couldn't just do that from home. Yeah. Um, it, it feels, same way. yeah, it feels a little bit like, it feels a little cult of personality esque. Like <laughs> I need you to come to me to hear what I have to say, no matter what. Right. Like I can understand like I can understand the sacrament piece coming to the church. You want you want the sacrament, and so you, you you do what you can to sort of like capture as much of that as you can or whatever. But if your main event for your service is to listen to a guy talk, you can do that from home. Correct. Like you, I don't think you need to go to the church, but but I also but, but at the same time I also understand there's that sense of community. You want to see each other. You want to know that you're with other people. That if you're like alone in your home. To be able to just go in your car and sit in a parking lot with a bunch of other people kind of gives you the sense that you're around other people. So I, you know, I so I get it on that on that on that sense. So I shouldn't be too negative about it. Um, yeah. I'd say as long as you're not breaking any laws, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, what's going to be interesting is what's going to be interesting to watch is how is how the church adapts afterward, mm-hmm. because like for us. Again, the sacrament is the main thing. And so pretty much we're doing what we're doing until we can until we can have communion again. Like we right. we generally largely recognize that what we're doing is is a surrogate or a placebo or a or a you know, it's it's a placeholder for what we know we're called to do as a church. Um and and so once the order is okay for us to be together, we're going to be together. Mm-hmm. That's just going to happen. Um, the, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what, how it's going to work for churches like, like, let's say like, like your Christ fellowship there in South Florida or th- something like that, where they already do satellite sermons, baby, right? They already do this stuff in such a way <laughs> that they've already kind of cut their own, they've cut themselves off of the feet with it by streaming it out and putting it out there for everyone. And so I don't know how they're going to justify then I want you to come and be at our church every week. Like you need to be here when we've now effectively said, Oh, we can give you almost the full experience from home. Um, I just don't understand how you, what where your theology is in making, in making the gathering together, other than you're saying that you're just doing it because you're obeying what the Bible says, which is to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, that you're doing it out of an obligation of obedience to what was what taught in the scriptures. But like, yeah, again, like, I don't know. It just it exposed to me part of one of the reasons why I left those kinds of churches, mm-hmm. because it just kind of stopped making sense to me. Like, why am I going to this? Why am I? Why am I? Like, why? Why? Why make the effort to go and just like listen to a rock band play and then a guy talk for half an hour for the contemporary rock concert? Yeah. yeah. Where whereas like I, I feel like I got very close to that experience on my own without it. It was. It was actually coming and having something in my hands that I can't, that I can't have anywhere else in the form of the, the, the Eucharistic sacrament um, that, that changed that for me. 
Um, and so, so yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see how church, how the church changes and how evangelicalism in particular changes yeah. as a result of this. And you know, I think, uh, I think I'll, there's going to be a lot of changes after this, not just the church. And I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how, you know, because I'm, I'm me, but the, how the film industry is going to change after this. Theaters are not doing well. Yeah. AM, AMC in particular might go bankrupt. Right. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that we are going to see that focus that was already happening where big blockbusters on the big screen, like mm-hmm. going to the theater is you're going to go to the theater to see something that you can't, you can't replicate the experience at home. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I think that the theater, I think the theater situation is going to be a bit dicey for a while. Um, I think Dune, when Dune comes out, provided it doesn't get any kind of delays when Dune comes out, I think that, that the, the, the visual spectacle of that, if they market it right, could be something that draws people to theaters. But I think that, What's going to happen is 2021, James Cameron is going to save us. JC <laughs> is going to save us in 2021 because Avatar 2 is going to come out. And like Those JCs are all about saving us. You know? Jesus, JC Chazé, James Cameron. <laughs> you know, John, John Connor. It's, it's, you know, but, I, but again, I think that, I think that like when, when Avatar 2 comes out, because that, the technology to make that movie what it's going to be, and so it's the, immersion, the, immersion, the immersive aspect of what it will be, I think James Cameron's aware it's important now to mm-hmm. foster something that tries to get people – into a theater to see it. Yeah. And of course, by then we should probably have a vaccine. So like, it'll be less of a fearful thing. And I think that, you know, so I think that that's going to be, that's going to be what will get people back in theaters at least, but provided there actually are theaters to even host it, which is going to be the interesting conversation. Well, I think what's interesting is, and I may be completely wrong, but if history has proved anything in, in relation to disasters and, and, and this, and the cinema going public, if I were a studio head, I would be chasing that that's that that sweet weekend, the first weekend after everything is lifted, because I think it doesn't matter what movie you're releasing on that weekend, it's gonna make bank. Yeah, you could you could release cats because that's huh, yeah yeah oh man Toby Hooper should just you should have sat on it buddy. Um. Like, because it it all goes because it reminds me of like nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie that came out that weekend was Mariah Carey's Glitter, <laughs> and that movie killed that weekend because everyone just had to see a movie, right. anything. They had to get out. They had to go to the movie theater. They had to they had to forget about what was happening. Like like two movies did really successful that week. That was Independence Day <laughs> and Glitter. <laughs> Independence Day. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, the rental. Uh, oh, rentals. Spikes. Gotcha. Yeah, they they spiked. I was like, like, dude, like, that, that, that movie wasn't in theaters then, bro. No, 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 it wasn't. But like, uh, like, like all the rental sales, like, yeah, spiked. Like even Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, like, yeah, we, we we made a lot of money that week. <clears throat> um, so I I think that's what you'll probably see. Like, you can release anything. Like, you're gonna see the most random movie like come out on top of the box office that weekend. That's why, honestly, if uh, Denny V U, say it with me now, Denny Villeneuve, Denny Villeneuve, 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 yeah, that, okay, that French accent, Villeneuve. Um, <laughs> oh, shut up, <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Uh, 
I, that's why, like, like you're saying, if people go to the movies to see anything, like if Dune hits it, if, if Dune can oh, like yeah, hit that target, like it oh, would, yeah. it would be, it would be pretty awesome. Honestly, you know who, you know who should, you know who's probably watching this really who? closely is Warner Brothers because you know what they're sitting on. <laughs> the Zack Snyder cut? No. Zack <laughs> Justice League? No. <laughs> oh, oh, what? Godzilla vs Kong. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And so, okay. and like, you know, King of the Monsters did not do well. Right. And they, but they had already greenlit Godzilla vs. Kong because they, they thought that King of Monsters was going to do like gangbusters and then people want to see. So I bet if they did like, I bet if they released Godzilla vs. Kong right well, after. Well, they're also sitting on. It's, uh, it's, set, it's set to be out like in November or something. Yeah, they're also sitting on Bond. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Bond is on MGM and Warner Brothers on MGM. That's right. So. I gotta be honest. I'm just not excited. Really? A lot of people were, man. People were stoked for that one because I think it's supposed to be the last Daniel Craig one, right? I isn't it? Yeah, we have to do an episode with Matt, and we probably have to bring my buddy Jay, oh, Josh on to talk about James Bond at some point because I'm not a I'm not I am not that big a fan of Daniel Craig era Bond. Really? Ooh. I love Skyfall. Skyfall is great. Skyfall is a good movie. I just don't know if it's a good Bond movie. Here's the thing. I'm gonna make Matt. I'm gonna make Matt mad. (laughs) But he knows this. I've told him this. I think the best. I think the best Bond movie is Goldeneye. Okay. I'm not gonna say that Pierce Brosnan's the best Bond. He's a good Bond. His movies were terrible though. Like that. He just unfortunately he was saddled with really bad Bond movies. Um, I mean, let's be honest. You know who the best Bond is. I don't. I don't. It's uh it's uh I'm not a bond head, so I don't really know. I don't name? I don't really know what what, what it is. Tim is it, uh, uh, Tim uh Tim 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 I was, I was gonna make a joke, it was a guy from Oh Don't say it. Matt will kill you. <laughs> In license to kill. Um <laughs> Living Day or, um, or no, he'll he'll probably kill if you say George Lazenby. Ugh. So no, I um no, I think that um I, I actually I just think Goldeneye is I think Goldeneye is the best bond. And I, I think that what happened after Goldeneye revealed that Bond is um, Bond doesn't really work without the Soviets. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, and that's why that's why Goldeneye is great because it's dealing with like you know Soviet holdouts who refuse to accept that the war is over. Um, and you know, I remember like a lot of people were joking like when Putin was like doing a lot of totalitarian stuff. It was like, all right, Bond movies gonna get good again. <laughs> um, of course, there's also the there's also the fact that. Bond is a bit of a um, colonialist uh, fantasy. Oh, totally. That, yeah. Oh, yes. That doesn't, really, that doesn't really play too well anymore. But um, really lean into those cultural stereotypes. Yeah. Um, which I don't recall Goldeneye having any of that, really. Um, Other than the computer hacker character. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't remember. But anyway, I um yeah so but no I you're right though I think the I think the movie industry watching the movie industry is going to be a it, that's going to be something because I mean so many studios you know they release their stuff on streaming platforms mm-hmm. and so I don't think that that's not going to be a regular thing from here on out. Oh yeah, I think they're going to lean into that more. Um, I think you'll see movies like you know. The Invisible Man, a movie that kind of suffered from this whole thing, right? Uh, was released for like twenty bucks on iTunes or whatever. A movie I 
<laughs> it was so close to seeing. Mm. I went I went into the movie theater. I bought my Cheetos popcorn, which is a thing here in Oklahoma. And I sat down. I watched the trailer for St. Maud, a horror movie that looks excellent. Not being released now because of the thing happening. Uh, and then I get a call. I had to come back home to help with the with the greenhouse and... And I get to see Invisible Man with like the like the probably the first good Universal horror movie <laughs> and Universal monster movie in like right. decades. Right. And I missed it. It's really smart for them. Just on the side, I haven't seen it, and I, I don't know that I will just because I don't I don't think I need that in my head. But um, good. but I think that uh, that was it's a really smart move to make them smaller scale. Oh yeah, yeah. Let, letting Bloomhouse take over totally. Um, they're the ones making all that horror yeah. green for Universal now. Yeah, uh, unless you're not, unless you're Jordan Peele, which he just does it without Bloomhouse, right? But yeah, making it much more because I mean that's that's what that's what yeah, the idea of trying to make them like superheroes is the most ridiculous. <laughs> that was a horrible idea. <laughs> dark universe. Oh, dark universe. Rest in peace. <laughs> <clears throat> Hardly knew ye in your wonderfully photoshopped cast photo. What was it? There was I, I, I read a thing a while back that was like, that was like we already had our Dark Universe film and it was called Monster Squad. <laughs> um, yeah, it was also called Van Helsing. Oh gosh, don't remind me. Of that <laughs> That's the last movie I walked out of. Like, yeah. just ironically, bad. the last movie I walked out of was uh, Hollow Man. Oh, that movie's rough it's rough um yeah but um yeah no it's cool the next the, they said the next one's going to be dracula nice so that'll be fun now i, I mean are they gonna make it a period piece or are they gonna make it are they gonna make it like contemporary i don't know they haven't revealed i um, hope it's contemporary because it'd be a cool new twist it would be a cool new uh, twist to tell the actual dracula story in a modern setting which i think I mean, I think that the Netflix show did that. I don't really, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really bothering with that one. Yeah, well, and the, I think like Stephen Moffat's behind it, and I know I do not like him. Well, I, th- I think, I think with 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 COVID nineteen now, you've got a perfect. You know, you basically you make him like he's an infected person, right? Like, probably. You know, like like not, I'm not saying like you know he's like Dracula isn't said like coughing on people or whatever, but that but that sense of like I think I think you've got something with vampires now if you you were playing with the idea of infectious disease because that's sort of become something with with them and we've you know of course we've turned that into the whole zombie thing, but mm-hmm. vampires kind of did it first. Yeah, and sure. and so that the, you know to play off the allure of. You know, you want to be, you know, there's a seductive quality. You want to be with this person, but you know, they're dangerous. I, I just, I think you could do something with it. Yeah. Um, also, of course, it's uh, Dracula being the inverse, being sort of the inverse of, of Jesus is a very interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. Cause you know, Bram Stoker's vision was sort of to be sort of like a, like a Christian um, allegory Right. Kind of thing, with also some maybe some slight xenophobic undertones, you know, making the Eastern Europeans invading Western Europe, you right. know, right? But it's, yeah, <laughs> but it's that, but it's that, uh, it's that because it's the whole idea of eating flesh and blood gives you eternal life, right? Like it's a play mm-hmm. off of what Jesus says in John's Gospel, and but in a dark, in a sort of you know negative inverse inversive way. So maybe I don't know, maybe you do something with that too, like the fact that you know. 
Christians aren't able to go to church and you could like play off of, I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited to see what they do to give a, an updated take and not something. Cause you know, they're going to like try to like avoid doing like the same old story that's been told over and over at nauseam for right. decades and decades, which I am so sick of, which is kind of why I didn't want to watch Netflix things. I'm like, I'm just tired. I'm like another Dracula period piece. Okay. Uh, can we make a change? My favorite one is Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it rules. Can we like make it? Can we start like a change.org petition to say that, like, from here on out, vampires don't wear black leather? <laughs> like, I'm so tired of the gothic vampire. Uh, well, I, yeah, I think there's 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 other things to be cool to explore, but I don't know. I, why, uh, why you make why why you make a why you make a vampire movie after Blade? I don't understand. Well, it's like, it's like, why make a Dracula movie after Bram Stoker's Dracula? Unless he right. has something really interesting in mind. Right. Dracula 2000 is great trash, though. Yeah. Because that, that was, they took the Dracula story and put it into the teen slasher thing that was going on after Scream. Yeah. And they made Dracula Judas. Yeah, I know. Just, I love it. I love it. So here's, a, so I don't know if we, have we shared this story? Have we talked about this on this podcast yet? I don't think we have. So I remember... I never I actually never seen Dracula 2000. Like I've seen like oh, I have. I've seen it. I've seen it tons of times, baby. Ask but, me anything. But I was uh I was playing EverQuest. Okay, this we're going to I'm dating myself here. So I'm playing <laughs> EverQuest and my buddy Josh comes on and he's like, "Oh, you're finally back online." He was like, "Yeah, I went to go see a movie." I was like, "Oh, what'd you see?" He said, "I saw Dracula 2000." He's like, "Dude, you got to see it. It's got a twist." <laughs> and I said, and I said, and that's why I chatted back with him and I said, "Let me guess." I said, "Let me guess. Uh Dracula's Judas." And he was like, <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> it was a complete shot in the dark guess. Um, it's it's a great idea that like I wish I had come up with. Or maybe I said is he Kane, like, and he was like, no, he's Jude. It's even better. But that's Vampire the Masquerade, right? The first vampire was Kane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, dude, Dracula two thousand. Oh, it's so good. It's it's got vitamin C in it. <laughs> she plays the the sort of modern iteration of Lucy. Um, Johnny Lee Miller from Hackers. Mm-hmm. Got the old Sorry. school voicemail. I don't. What Weird. is that? That noise? Is it? It's like a Texas Instruments phone. <laughs> it's like you're like in CTU, dude. <laughs> Getting a call from Jack Bauer. It's weird. Do 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 do. Um, but no, Dracula 2000, I mean, it, it like, like I say, vitamin C played the, the Lucy character. You got Jen Lee Miller from hackers playing, uh, Van Helsing's, uh, like a protege. Uh, you had the, it took place in new Orleans, Gerard Butler as Dracula. Um, just great trash. Most of it taking place in the Virgin Megastore. <laughs> nice. There's this wonderful scene where he just walks up to the Virgin Megastore and it's playing like this Marilyn Manson shock rock type music video on like this huge screen. He just goes perfection. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a part. Oh my God. One of my favorite parts is Johnny Lee Miller. He saves the, the Van Helsing's daughter in like a library and Johnny Lee Miller picks up a Bible and holds it up to Dracula and Dracula goes, Oh, propaganda. And then Johnny Miller literally just opens the Bible up and the pages fly out of it and they catch on fire on top of him. He's like, oh, it's great. Oh, it's such a terrible. Jerry Ryan is in it, too. Oh, Jerry Ryan's in it. Oh, nice. Yes. Very small part. 
She plays one of his uh, brides. Nice. Oh, we, oh speaking of, yeah. Oh, speaking the Lincoln of, Park soundtrack. Okay, mm. I need to check this out now. This might be a <laughs> Halloween watch. So here's the thing: it's so it is not scary at all. Oh yeah, I know. It's, I don't. It's just it trying too hard just to be like edgy and cool. Right, 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 right. It's like it's new metal horror, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't expect it to be. I wouldn't expect it to be scary at all. Yeah. Because um, that's the thing is for me, like a lot of those, a lot of those movies, like the only to me the only legitimate scary part of Scream is the opening sequence with Drew Barrymore. That's yeah, that's legitimately scary. Yeah, it is. So like that, every pretty much everything after that that followed the Scream formula, like. The faculty is not scary. It's <laughs> great though. Great movie. Stokely. I love that movie. Um, you know, like oh, I know was... what you did last summer. Like they're not scary. No. Um it's uh yeah, so no, I've always found those to be more like they're more like psychological thriller types or something like that. Though I will say, Final Destination's scary. It is scary, dude. I, I remember being a kid watching that movie in theaters and like walking out the end and being like I'm like afraid to do anything, dude. I was okay. I saw the movie. I saw the first one. I think like a week or two or something like that before I was supposed to go on. I think my first mission trip. I think I was flying, and right, you know, the whole movie's plot is about yeah, looking right. for the clues, right, to get ahead of death. And the plane crash is like the most terrifying part in the movie. Do you know what Devin Sawa's name is in that movie? <laughs> uh. I forgot. It's Alex Browning. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> he's named after uh, Todd Browning. Right. Do you know what Jackie. my name is? Charles Alex Browning. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is it trying to tell me something? <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you about the prank my dad did to me? I don't know if I shared it on this show. I don't. I can't remember if you shared it or not on the show, but I'm sure we were, it's been a year, a few years. But I think I you go. Yeah. It was the night before we were going to travel somewhere, and Final Destination just happened to be playing on the Sci-Fi Channel. My dad was was watching it, and I'm like, I'm not watching that movie before I travel tomorrow. And I told my dad, "Is like Matt and I always had this fear, and every time we travel, we always check the latch for the table tray in the airplane because in the movie, you know, the latch just like comes off and it just drops in his lap, right? Like with like, I mean, he sits down and it drops in his lap." I'm like, ever since then, I've always checked the latch. The next day, somehow my dad is able to sit down before me. And he, like, just kind of moves the latch on the <laughs> chair in front of me. That's awesome. And as soon as I sit down, the tray falls on my lap. And I'm like, <gasps> <gasps> and my dad just die, is, like, dying. That's Apparently, messed up. Yeah. I'm like, that's so... not cool, man. That's not cool. That's. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But uh, classic dad, yeah. But dude, check out uh, Dracula 2000. I, I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> we should be like recommending things for people to watch while they're still in social isolation stuff. Because by now they've seen Tiger King, they've watched Frozen yeah. two a bunch of times. Like find stuff that you don't. I, I don't know. That would be kind have of. Have you found anything? Have you? Has there anything that you have found that has gotten you through this? That is keeping you occupied, keeping you sane. I mean, I I think I say pretty sane. By oh, trying okay. to have a, but right. no, actually, um, in terms of pop culture, um, I have discovered Animal Crossing New Horizon. Oh, no. So I've been, You and the rest of the country. Apparently. I know. I know. It was one of those things when I started seeing it come around. That's it was the like, Tiger King for Switch, man. Well, it was. It, 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 there was a feeling. It was sort of like when Pokemon Go 
came out. It was like, it sort of came at the right time. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I want to play Animal Crossing. Like it totally, like seeing it online all the time, I was like, I kind of want to play this. Like it just seems, because I've been playing, you know, Breath of the Wild and just wanted something new to play. I hadn't bought a video game in a couple of years. So, um, so I, so I, and you know, I had my Switch with me. So um, I bought I bought Animal Crossing. I couldn't find it in stores. I had to actually download it. I never downloaded yeah. um, a big game like that. I, I feel like mm. I entered into the the new millennium. Um, but it's uh, and I started I've started profiles for both of my both of my boys. And of course, they want to play all the time, but they can't really read that well. So like I have to play with them and read all the dialogue boxes. And I've realized that there's a lot of repetitive dialogue in that game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's That's fun. Cool. It's fun to like, you know, build up your little island and, you know, it's, it really is like a sandbox and kind of sort of do almost anything you want with it. It's like a Minecraft kind of game. Like, mm, I mean, way more simplified. It's yeah. Okay. You, you craft stuff, you craft tools. I mean, part, I mean, it's, it's completely pointless, right? You're, you're sort of, you're crafting furniture to put in your house. Awesome. Um, <laughs> you, um, you know, and so everything is, it, it's just completely circular. But yeah. there's a Pat, uh, Father Fun, friend of the show, Father Fun, um, sent, um, sent me an Honest trailer for it. And it talks mm-hmm. about how it perfectly replicates the like circular drudgery of the circular drudgery of capitalism. <laughs> because you're like spending money just, to, you're like making money just to spend money. It just this circular thing, which I got to say this whole uh, with the economic stuff with COVID-19, it, that stuff is really ramped up for me as I play the game. I'm sort of like, this is fun, but this is sort of real life for people. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's interesting. Uh, can I just go over my experience with COVID-19? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I want to talk about what I've been going through. First of all, I feel like I've been preparing for this for five years. Uh, because ever since I moved to Oklahoma, I have been a shut in. And it's kind of funny like I already went through the period where I lost my mind like two years ago. So I'm okay now. I'm used to it. I like it. I kind of like it actually. Um, but like, it's funny watching people on Twitter, like, or, or Facebook, like people just like losing their minds. I'm like, <laughs> this is kind of fun. Like it, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, melancholia a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because like, she's like depressed this whole movie and everyone around her is just like trying to enjoy the wedding and stuff. And then they find out that the world is going to be destroyed and she's like the calmest one. Everyone else around her is freaking out mm-hmm. because like she's calm because like, she's like she already knows like the world sucks and it's going to be destroyed anyway, right? Because she's suffering from horrible depression. Yeah, I felt like Kirsten Dunst and Melancholia ever <laughs> since this has been happening, um, which may be a bad thing. I don't, I don't know. Um, but like my my life hasn't changed drastically. Um, I, I have to because I live in the country. Right, and I don't really go out much often anyway, except to go to grocery shopping. And usually, when we do do our shopping, it's like we do a lot of shopping. We stock up anyway. But this happened to hit when we needed to restock. <laughs> oh, so we haven't been able to really restock. Like I've had to go to the grocery store like a lot. Um, that's kind of the only big change. And uh, my parents like to eat out more than like to cook. But you know, I wear the gloves. I got masks. I've got. Uh, the the wipes uh, I don't have hand sanitizer I'm thinking about making my own hand sanitizer which is I actually turned out to be really easy it's just alcohol and aloe vera apparently mm-hmm. um 
and then there's uh and, and you know I, I got this app called um, Newsbreak that I kind of recommend yeah. everyone try out. It's kind of it's like a local news thing. It gives you daily updates on the the coronavirus and you know the cases and deaths and recovery and stuff. Um, gives you kind of a good idea where we're where we're at. Um, but also you should probably take a, probably don't check it as often as I did when I first got it, which made me like seriously depressed and kind of anxious. And, um, there was a period where I, like, I kind of forgot to wipe down credit cards while I was using them. And then I heard Dr. Fauci say like, you should probably wipe down credit cards. And I'm like, Oh my God, I went like a whole week and not doing that. Uh, and I freaked out and I had to realize like, you just can't freak out about that kind of stuff. Just. Okay, so can I can I ask? Okay. Because I feel like that response is probably average. Do you think that's average or do you think that's an overkill response? What? You like freaking out that you didn't disinfect the credit card. Um no, I don't think it's average. It's I think it's normal for someone like me because I feel pretty responsible for everybody in my house because everyone here is over 60. Okay. <laughs> and like so like it's, it's sort of like an extra burden on me if I if it was just me like oh well I'll just remember to do it next time but like when I found that out I like I I got like seriously scared for a good twenty four hours See, that I was gonna give all my loved ones okay because I gotta say I, I'm gonna take us off topic so you should probably finish saying what you need to say <laughs> okay well I was saying the things things have been keeping me going though like in, uh, we were talking about James Bond I wanted to mention. I decided to sit down and watch all three Austin Powers movies in one sitting. Okay. <laughs> and can I give a quick rundown of my thoughts? Very yeah, quick. Absolutely. Okay. First Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. It's the only one that's a movie. Yep. It has a plot, it has a story, it has a character arc, it has some meaning, it has an emotional core, and the jokes are very funny. Yes. If a little bit dated. And they're perfect for like a 14-year-old of the 90s, which was how old I was when I saw it. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, chaos. Mm-hmm. Pure chaos. This is definitely just like, it's just jokes. It is just jokes. And mostly recycled jokes in the first movie. There are jokes in this movie that have nothing to do with being British, have nothing to do with James Bond. <laughs> they're just like, they're just, it could have been in any movie. They're just jokes. Goldmember tried to have a little bit of a story and a little bit of meaning because of the father-son thing. Eh, eh, it's, it's all right. Still funny, though. Um, uh, funny. Like, not... I wasn't, like, guffawing during these mm-hmm. movies. But it was kind of like... It did remind me of a time when I used to guffaw at them. Um, and, you know what? Mike Myers... I, I still love him. Oh, yeah. Like, he might be the only person from that cast of SNL that, like, didn't go insane. Um, and, and is actually still kind of funny, even if he's like making horrible movies that aren't funny, <laughs> like the love guru. Yeah. They, that's the thing is that whole cast, that cast wound up making almost all of them make like not funny movies now. Yeah. Adam Sandler is the only one I think who's like capable of doing good stuff. He's so yeah. good at Uncut gems. He's great in, in punch drunk love. And I think even some of his comedies are pretty funny, but like his later ones, you could, you know, he's just, he's just, Set, making that money mm-hmm. um but yeah but uh no I, I feel like i wish austin powers was was more of a meme than than shrek was that's my hot take there you go yeah baby <laughs> um and uh also one of the memes 
kind of keeping me alive right now, and I do have to say a meme is keeping me alive, is uh, the funeral dancers. Funeral dancers, the Ugandan funeral dancers are amazing. <laughs> if you haven't looked it up, I'm just going to share a clip right here. I, uh, I've, I've got to add, because uh, you're asking about shows and movies and stuff, um, I, I have discovered Star Trek Discovery. Oh, good. And what'd you think? Um, I don't want to spoil, because I know, I know Father Fun really, really wants to be, he really wants to be on the show with us to talk about Picard and everything. Yeah. Uh, I talked to him on the phone the other day, and he's like super, super jazzed to be able to do that, because now that Picard is over, so we need to do an episode all about that. But yeah, I will I say... But I will say that um, – have you watched both seasons of Discovery so far? No. I ha- uh, I've ju- I finished the first season. Okay. I think season two is way better than season one. Okay. Um, season one, though, had some really good twists and mm-hmm. stuff that I actually did not see coming. Um, and, and played with some stuff, you know, which was kind of fun. And, uh, and it and – it, 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 I know a lot of Star Trek fans complain that it's not Star Trek-y enough, and I can kind of see where they're coming from when they say that. Mm-hmm. That being said, I enjoyed it way more than I expected, yeah. and it it it's it's fairly fresh. Yeah. Um. Um. So I I definitely. Well, it's like we said, things either have to end or they got to change drastically if you want to keep it alive. Right. I mean, or the love of it alive, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, what's what's interesting to me about Discovery, I mean, is that they tried to do that within an already well-established time frame, right? In Star Trek, and that was a little annoying, like changing up the Klingons. Like, why, why, why do that? Um, but um, but where they go with things and how they do stuff with Discovery within that first season is interesting in itself because it shows the the, the Federation Klingon war. Um, where they go in the second season is very, is, is really fascinating because we get to see, you know, we get to see the, we get to see stuff that's happening in Starfleet about 10 years before Kirk is captain of the enterprise. Um, and so it's stuff that we know of, if you've watched the show, if you watch the original series. And in fact, what's really great, there's a great episode in the show 
where you don't mind if I it's not a spoiler, but do you mind if I Okay. Okay. I know you don't I, I can't tell sometimes I know I I can't remember where you are in spoilers these days. Sometimes you're like, I don't care. It just, Some, just depends. Depends on the property really. Gotcha. But there's a really great episode where they wind up they wind up going to the planet that is featured in the episode called The Cage, which is the original pilot. Oh, okay. Of of Star Trek. Yeah. And they open an episode by saying previously on Star Trek Discovery, and instead they show the recap of the cage, <laughs> like with the original actors and everything, like the exact, like the That's exact funny. stuff, and because and, it they use the, they use the cage as a lead in to the episode, which I thought was just really great. Like they're not trying to restage it with the new actors or anything; they just let the original vintage footage stand on its own and didn't insult the audience to say that you're like, oh, well, why doesn't Pike look the same? Right. Why does Spock look different? They just, and so, um, which I thought was, I thought that was really clever. Um, nice. And I really liked that they did that. Um, they've done enough, they've done a few things there that really honored, that have honored the franchise. And so I'm, I, I think people, it's better than people, than a lot of Star Trek fans give it credit for, but a lot of Star Trek fans are insufferable. So, um, <laughs> That's just fandom, baby. I know, we, which we talk about way too much on the show. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I just want to mention Star Trek Discovery has also been a thing that I've been. It's great. I want to get back into it. And I got to finish Picard. Um, and, yeah, we should do an episode on probably both. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, what else have been? I, you know, I watched Tiger King, which was <laughs> – I'm sure everyone has watched Tiger King by now, so I don't have to really recommend it except for, except for Chuck, of course. I've not I don't seen even it. know how, how you'd feel about it, but um, I, I I thought it was great. It's it's very entertaining. Um, uh, well, entertaining in a way where it's like, oh, these are terrible people. <laughs> right. You see, that's the kind of thing like I could get into. Yeah. My wife, not so much. Okay. And you know, and so like I'm pretty much watching TV when she's awake. So I've tried to I've tried to convince her to watch Tiger King. She's like, oh, I don't know what I read about it. Doesn't seem like I'd be interested in. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah. And uh, I just started watching um, another docuseries, one that I started when it came out a couple of years ago and never got around to finishing. Um, but I restarted it called uh, Wormwood. Okay. And it's directed by one of my favorite documentary filmmakers, Errol Morris. And uh, if you don't know who Errol Morris is, he is sort of prone to making documentaries about really bizarre subjects. Uh his breakout movie isn't really that bizarre. It's called the thin blue line. It's about sort of a police cover up. Oh, right. Um, but he made a movie called Vernon, Florida, which is just Vernon, Florida. (laughs) I've heard about this and I've really wanted to see it. You would like it. I think you would like his stuff. Um, he made a movie called, uh, tabloid a few years ago. Um, just about this woman who just had this just bizarre life. She like cloned her dogs. She like kidnapped her Mormon husband. Um, all kinds of weird stuff. Anyway, this movie weren't this or this docu series. Wormwood is about um, um, uh, this scientist. I think his name is Frank Olson, who worked for the government, and um, he mysteriously died one day. He either fell or jumped out of a window. And it was revealed that the CIA had been conducting experiments on Frank Olson under a program called MK Ultra. Oh yeah. 
So it's it's all about MK Ultra and Frank Olson and what he was doing with them and all about his son who's like spent his entire life trying to just like bust it open mm-hmm. to figure out like what exactly happened. Because yeah, remind me, MK Ultra is where they were using LSD on people, right? Like unsuspected. It's, yeah, this, yeah. The CIA, the CIA was was dosing people with LSD and it basically in, in an attempt to experiment with mind control. Right. Um, and they were doing it to like. I mean, they were doing it to their own agents. They were doing it to civilians. They were doing it to people who work at the government. Like, just anybody and everybody. Like, just dropping it in people's Coke, you know? Yeah. Which leads Let's us to COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it is a little suspicious that Jeffrey Epstein died before the outbreak. Am, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> died and that it, and that the outbreak the outbreak happened uh, i won't get into it. I, I, there's actually i don't know if it, I, I don't know if i mentioned it on the show last time i'm not a conspiracy theory person really like i like they're fun but like i don't really take them seriously but i do find it fascinating that this virus came out in china roughly around the time that china was having a tough time keeping the fallout from the hong kong protests yeah, and also around the same time as a, uh, a celebration that was happening, right? It was um, what was it? That was some. It's like a holiday. I don't know. Some kind of international thing, or like I don't remember. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you've definitely got those swirling around right now. It's great, awesome. <laughs> but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in like the. I mean, you don't have to like. I'm just, I'm just, it's so weird that people who like buy into like the crazy conspiracy theories, not like the ones that actually happen. Right. The one that like um, somehow this is organ, this is like, this was sort of like created by like George Soros and the Clintons to like make, to make uh, Trump look bad. Right. That's yeah. the weirdest thing to me. I know. The whole George Soros thing is, is hilarious. It's really funny. Um, although it, I shouldn't say it's funny because people have now attempted to kill him because of it. Right. Well, it's, and it's also, also a crazy anti-Semitic, right? <laughs> crazy anti-Semitic. Yeah. If you ever heard anyone use the word globalist, they're not. They don't really mean globalists. They mean Jews. Right. Um. Yeah. So I mean, but that that's been my foray. I, I've also I have been taking taken to a little bit of the conspiracy theories, but like only the real ones, like MK Ultra, which mm-hmm. is like, to me, I, I'm that's the one that I'm, I'm most fascinated with. Uh, because just of how reckless and, and like just, just messed up it was, like the government like terrorized its own civilians. Yeah. Um, but they'd never do that now. They have our best interests no. at heart. <laughs> no, no, never. See, Especially during a pandemic, never. Yeah. See, here's the thing about all of all of what's going on is what I what I like. This might be a good way to segue into what you were going to say. Yeah, or, I was going to segue into the fact that I I on a certain level sympathize with the Michigan and Ohio protesters Hmm. on a certain level. I want to make this very clear on a certain level because like things like this are perfect opportunities for people with totalitarian impulses to start doing their thing. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've seen with the Patriot Act after nine 11, how, Things that are done for our good and our safety don't disappear. 
They just, right. you know, like there's there's never a moment where it's like, oh yeah, well once the once we're safe, you can have this back. Like it it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and so I'm I am actually very concerned about how quickly a lot of folks, well one how easily people have been to be like, oh yeah, put us under lock, like put us under lockdown. That's cool. We need to do that to stay safe. Like how quickly we did that without any kind of thought. And now and then like policing each other. I mean, yeah, I mean, take it from a certain level, it's kind of Orwellian, right? I mean, the the idea that we would like call our call our call the cops on our neighbors because they're not staying inside all the time and things like that. Um and and like I said, like it's I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that means that it's we need to sort of like let people just do whatever they want or whatever. But I think that some kind of conversation, at least some kind of thought around the bigger issues with all of this. Well, of how of, of we pretty much just shut stuff down without really any kind of thought of how one we reopen it or two what to what extent the impacts would be on people. Well, yeah, but it was also you know people were really freaked out about the hospitals and medical workers who had to deal with like, right. a huge volume of people, you know. Well, right. And, that's, and then it's and like I don't want to give like props to giant corporations or anything like that. But it is a little nice to see them show a little bit of solidarity to our medical workers, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of what the whole point of all this is. Because there are people on the front lines and there are going to I mean, I mean uh, you think of all those nurses who are out there who don't have any like protective gear taking care of COVID-19 patients. Most of those people are going to die. And um, I don't, see, I don't know that I buy that. They're going to die. I mean, it's, yeah, people already have been dying. Well, I know, but but stuff. but like they, they, I don't. I think I think that that's an. Inf, I think there's a bit of an overinflation. I mean, just look. The, the math is there. We know what the rates of death are. So just like basically to say, like because you've been exposed to the virus, you're going to die. That's not a guaranteed thing. You can be exposed to the virus and not show any symptoms whatsoever. No, that's yeah, that's true. So I feel like it, that's. I mean, you, you, you take risks. But it's, it's happening. <laughs> like, it's, it's happening. Well, I know, but like, but, like, but, like, but like the way you put it was that those people who are doing this work without protect, they're going to die. They're not necessarily going to die. Some of them are, but not all of them. Okay, well, I'm not trying to say all of them are. I'm saying I'm, I'm not I'm, – sorry, I was not careful with my words. <laughs> I'm just – that's – I guess but, for me, like where, I, where my concern is is how quickly – like how easily we've overinflated a lot of this stuff and we don't – we're not sticking with nuance in all of this. And that's like – I think it's super important super important for us to remember that there is nuance, there's context, and we have to keep all of that. That like what we're seeing in New York is unbelievable, right? I mean, w- I mean, just the sheer love, the sheer number of infections and, and the st- all the stuff that we're seeing there. But New York, like, but like New York and Oklahoma are two very different places. Mm-hmm. And for people to treat Oklahoma like it's New York is missing a few things like that and that's the kind of stuff that that's where I'm concerned about all of this is that we can't it's not a blanket thing across the board and like we have to have we have to have a degree of sobriety with this stuff yeah but I don't think Oklahoma has been treated like New York like a lot of businesses are still open (laughs) I can go outside if I want to right I can grow stuff yeah um, you're lucky, actually. I, I understand. Um, where was it? 
I read recently somewhere about a place where they weren't even allowing people to grow stuff. Yeah, that's Michigan. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, 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 well, it's one of those things that kind of spiraled out of control because from what I understand is that, uh, people started flocking to home Depot and Lowe's and stuff Mm -hmm. to the point where there were like lines around the building and just kind of like picking up packets of seeds and like putting them back and like not really practicing social distance. And people were like, okay, home Depot is not necessarily essential as like a grocery store. We can't put people in danger for you know seeds that you could probably buy online, which apparently you can just buy them online. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't really looked into like the actual laws or anything because I don't live in Michigan. <laughs> right. Um, well, it's like it's like for Hawaii. Okay, so like where we are, it's what's what's super frustrating is that we like aren't able to shut down our airports. We've, right. We still have tourists coming. Really? We have tourists coming. We had like like, like 200 or something come this week. Really? That's crazy. Or more. Yeah. And they're under, like we have like a, if you arrive, it's a 14-day quarantine. Like you're supposed to self-quarantine for 14 days. Mm-hmm. And like people are just coming and they're just not following it. Um, I mean, I was at, the, I, at, I was, you know, my little out of the way surf spot with my family the other day. There was me and two other people out in the water surfing so three people in the water and of course you're able to keep a lot of distance from each other in that situation right yeah car full of clear mainlanders yeah show up all of them with cheap costco surfboards only one of them is actually able to surf it was a bunch of girls who just wanted to kind of like bob around in the water with this guy and like i i saw him paddling out i was like i'm done like i just paddled in and I played in the tide pools with my kids, but I kept an eye on the surf on the on the break just to see what's going on. Like these people weren't surfing; they're not good at surfing. They were clearly <laughs> just like probably staying at some Airbnb, and figured they found a little out of the way beach they could go hang out at. The cops were less likely to to hassle them because they went to Waikiki; they would get they would get hassled. And and like you know, and I look at that and I'm like, this is the problem. <laughs> like this is why they have to shut stuff down because. You know, like you're not, you, you know, you're, you're not one. You shouldn't even be here. Yeah. Uh, you should be, uh, you should be back at home in your, your home state. You shouldn't yeah. even be in Hawaii right now. Um, but, um, anyway, I I just, but like I said, I, but I sympathize, but I do sympathize with these people. And the reason why I sympathize with them is because I do as much as we want to criticize Trump for his meme of saying like the cure can't be worse than the disease. There is yeah. a degree of truth to that statement. Because, sure. and, uh, I mean, yeah. when you think about, like, the long-term economic impacts of people. And that's oh, – I'm not, I'm not going to say – I'm not no, no, no. going to – that's off mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but, of course, but of course these are but – but these are all problems of our own creation. Yeah. Because of our economic policies and other things. Mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw a tweet or something the other day from someone that was like, mm-hmm. paycheck-to-paycheck people working for paycheck-to-paycheck corporations, which have to deal with a paycheck-to-paycheck government. Whoever thought this was sustainable? Yeah, I read somewhere. Yeah, that that too, and also how like grocery stores apparently in the last like five years or something have like cut down on their backup supplies, mm-hmm. which is why there's been such a shortage like all across the country. Yeah, I mean, having worked for grocery stores, I can tell you that the stock rooms have gotten smaller in the newer grocery stores. They yeah. just, I mean, when I worked when I worked for Publix, like regular Publix, we had a pretty good sized stock room. 
It was an older grocery store that they had turned into a public. They had a good size stock room. When I worked for Greenwise, which is the more organic style, we had like no stock room. Mm-hmm. It was so little. Um, so yeah, it's all about maximizing the floor space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're living with the fact that we just don't, there's no surplus. There's no thought about caring for people. You know, there's no thought of, you know, we're not saving money. Yeah. I listened to a a nurse that was interviewed on a podcast and he said the one important lesson that everyone needs to learn about our healthcare system is that it's not designed to help every single person. Right. And I was like, wow, that is foreboding. Well, yeah, like what was it in – I think we found in Hawaii in the entire state, there's like 350 ICUs. Wow. There's one point – was it like 1.2 million people that live here? Yeah. And there's, did you hear about Elon Musk? No, what? He said he was going to – he had pledged to make a bunch of uh, ventilators for right. hospitals in California. Yeah. But what he sent them like weren't actually ventilators at all. Oh, they're like these like CPAP machines, which are like kind of do the the opposite of ventilating, which is oh. like it, it puts just air out. <laughs> it's basically like it basically like infect the room. <laughs> Lovely, bless his heart. So <laughs> I know it's not like Dyson. Dyson created a really great ventilator. It's like well designed. <laughs> um, the uh, but yeah, but the th- that's why I said like. And I and I said, or I've said to you in, in our own conversations offline and other times has been, um, or off the show, have been. What I also see in all of this is very classic will to power type. I mean, think about it. It's, what were they calling this immediately? Oh, it's war. It's just like no, war. They started making yeah. comparison to World War II. Trump keeps calling himself a wartime president. Oh, <laughs> like, well, you already war. were because you're bombing people. So, I mean, I don't know. But, but I mean, so, of course, a country that's defined by yeah, a military. The invisible enemy is an invisible enemy. The, the, the military-industrial complex would then, of course, def- cause us to define this thing in these, in these terms. And so there's this super, like, classic, like, patriarchal, masculine, like, we're going to beat this. And we're going to do everything it takes to beat this. Like, you know, we're going to save your lives even if it kills you. Like, just <laughs> approach that they've had to it. And then you look at Taiwan, South Korea, Germany, places where like women have run the, the program, and like like biochemist is the prime minister of Germany or something. Um, no, Angela Merkel. You're thinking about Angela Merkel. Was she a biochemist? I, don't I know that um, I know that the head of the head of the infectious disease program in South Korea is like she's like a brilliant like bi- like like epidemiologist or something like that. But epidemiologist, yeah. Um, it's a word that I find so hard to say, um, <laughs> but they. Um, but you look at the responses, like South, like like I mean, you look at Taiwan. Taiwan was able to keep this thing low fast. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong's another one, also run by women, where they um, where they were able to keep this thing under control relatively fast. And but what did they do? Lots of data. They got a lot of data to begin with. They realized that was the most important thing for them to do was data. And like they didn't have – like Taiwan has not had nearly the level of like draconian shutdowns that we've had in our country. You know, they well, had pockets yeah, well, and they isolated the pockets and they watched well, the they pockets. Well, they also had testing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they understood which, the importance of data. Yeah. And like – and it, it, to me it's, it's such a – it's such a like – 
I don't know if it's like properly said like matronly or whatever, but there's this sort of sense of like this thing is out there, it's dangerous. There's and always gonna be there's always gonna be something dangerous. And so we need to be prepared. And they're not super nationalistic, so when another country gives you a test, you don't go, uh-huh, no thank you. Right, right. Um Yeah, and I just think that that, that seeing seeing how you know, just just gender brings a different perspective to this and seems to be yeah, a better perspective probably. rather than this like oh, I'm gonna measure my penis by how I beat the coronavirus. <laughs> um and then like watching all these governors that are like clearly trying to like they're trying to like get into this whole match with Trump, like, oh, I'm a better politician than Trump. Like, of course you are. If you yeah. are a politician, you're a better politician than Trump. <laughs> um but uh, people have, have there's been all this rumbling about replacing Biden with Andrew Cuomo. I, I, does not surprise like, me. It's hilarious. Does not surprise me at all. I like I would just love to see it. Just try it. I just want to see what happens. Um I just I mean it's it's hilarious. But it's hilarious. And like like here like where I'm at, we've got the all the mayors are trying to be governor and so they're like all doing their own thing and trying to prove like oh look how leaderly I am. Like oh yeah, our guy the mayor here instituted a curfew. There was yeah. no no healthcare no healthcare professional was like, hey, we should have a curfew. It was like one of the other mayors had done a curfew, and senior citizens really thought it was a good idea. And so he was like, all right, we're going to do that now. Yeah. It's useless. It's just that kind yeah. of it's this kind of stuff that's so frustrating to watch it because it's like there has to be a better way of handling this. We, we, we know there's better way of handling this no, because we've yeah, seen the evidence of other places. When we've we've handled it before, yeah. <laughs> SARS, swine flu, H one N one, all yeah. that stuff, bird flu, right? Without tanking an economy and like people's yeah. like well livelihoods and well being. I mean, like it's. I mean, in all fairness, one of them did just kind of go away, so it wasn't really anything we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, like when Ebola came here, right? Well, Ebola like is a very low transmission rate. Okay, but but yeah, I just I think that I just think that. So that's why I say I sympathize with these people because, like, what what I hate though is like to say that because I look at the photos of them and they're like waving swastikas and stuff, and it's like no, like you guys, like I agree with you for like I, I have agreement with you for the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah, um, it's yeah, and that's such a deeper thing that we could like we could spend a whole episode talking about because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah, um, but you know, I I've, I've found that most of these people, you know, it's not so much they want to go back to work; they want you to go back to work. You know, yeah, so that they can continue their normal levels of consumption. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. And also, just like really dumb things they've done, like, um, like San Diego, California. You uh-huh. can't, you can't surf. They've outlawed surfing, basically. Okay. Um, but the next like city up north of San Diego. Which would be I've been trying whatever county whatever is up there next to it. It's you, Orange County, right? Yeah, Orange County. Yeah, Orange County. You can go surfing. Yeah. So like, why? Why are you? But like, you can't go surfing, but you can go biking, and you can like crowd the roads on your bicycle on your bicycles, and you can crowd all. You can go crowd the gun stores. You can do all that stuff. But you can't do this thing over here, which you know we told. You know, which, and it's, I don't, it's just amazing. It's just amazing to watch this sort of scattershot way of handling these things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just shows it, there was no it, plan. Yeah, this thing is going to turn me into a prepper, though. Yeah. See, yeah, I, I'm I'm realizing I'm an anarchist. 
Well, I mean, I think I think a prepper can be an anarchist. No, they usually are. Um, but one thing I've I've, I've learned it, it, this is actually interesting because back in October I actually got really interested in uh, in like prepping, mm-hmm. and I made like a list of supplies that I that I wanted to buy. Then I was like, you know, this I'm just making me paranoid, and I just like threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing is, I started watching Doomsday Preppers, the show mm-hmm. on Netflix, just to see like, you know, what, what do they do? One thing I noticed is that these preppers have this idea that like, it's all centered on them being the last person alive and I'll, I'm kind of ensuring that happens. Mm-hmm. None of them are con- are concerned about their neighbors right. or their community. And if they are, it's what can you do for me? Right. It's not like a, what can I do for the people around me? Right. And, and it's, it's interesting because I feel like if I were a prepper now, like I would just be like giving things away at this point because I know it's like it's not horrible, but there is a need, and I feel like I it's something I could I could I could meet. Do you, do you know um, who, Do you know who does that kind of stuff? Who street gangs? Yeah, that's true. Like if you read the stories about like what the Bloods and the Crips were doing back in the nineties, like how they were providing for their communities. Yeah, you know, because you know no one else would. And uh, I should point out that there are certain. Um, uh, or there is a certain uh, organization. Oh, I shouldn't say an organization, but there are certain factions of people that have been demonized by right wing media that have actually been making homemade hand sanitizer and handing them out to uh, people every day so far. Yeah, yeah because like the, the general attitude of like I just sort of want to be left alone. Like that's sort of the basis of like anarchist thinking, right? Just you know, just let me leave me alone. Um, but I've, I've I've spent the past several years off and on reading about various anarchist thought. And what what I find interesting is, is that, you know, there is a sort of sense of a more kind of kind of communitarian anarchy. Well yeah, I mean I think that I think that's sort of the crux of like like leftist anarchism is is yeah. community. Yeah, because like yeah. I don't like I don't want that like libertarian sense of like I don't want any because I want to be able to I want to be able to have some say in protecting like natural resources. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think that just because like you want to bulldoze a chunk of land that you should just be able to do that because it's right. your private property or whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Speaking of, um, we have in the, there's an area here in Honolulu called Waimanolo, um, or sorry, it's outside of Honolulu. It's called Waimanolo. It's its own area of Oahu, um, and largely native community. And uh, there is a track of land there that's called the Sherwood Forest. And uh, last year, when I first, when I visited uh, Honolulu for um, um, for interview purposes, when Ken and I were driving around the island, we actually just missed like this massive protest. It was like the it was like it's it, protest going on kind of concomitantly with uh, or concurrently with um, the Mauna Kea uh, protest that was happening about what the big telescope on top of Mauna Kea on the Big Island. Okay. So like, these are the two bi- like these are sort of two biggish native protests happening. So. The city wants to develop the city wants to develop this plot of land into some kind of like recreational complex. They usually wanted to put like a whole like sporting facility in it, but that got pressured into just sort of a, like a field, some like hiking trails and like nature walk kind of things in like a parking lot. But the but people are still protesting it because the natives who live in this area are have been saying for years there is an ancient burial ground in there. Like it's a native burial ground, you can't mess with it. It needs to remain wild. 
And the city's right. like, nah, whatever. We, we need to, pro- you know, we can just have like empty land. We can do something with it. We can be great for the community. It'll help like make the neighborhood nice and blah, 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 all this stuff. It's a merit to the argument. Well, about two weeks ago, in the middle of the pandemic, just one morning, bulldozers showed up at the pro- at the uh, at the property. <laughs> uh, protesters, are, of course, not legally allowed to protest, so they decided to go ahead and start the program and started wow. beginning the bulldozing process. What did they find? Ancient bones. Wow! So they had to stop. Whoa! Um, but this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Is like, as a community, you should be able to say, like, "Hey, I don't want you." Like this is important to me. You shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, this is something for all of us to use, not just for you to use or whatever. Like we should have some say in how we're going to mitigate this or work with this stuff. Absolutely. Um, and so I guess like that's the thing that kind of frustrates me in all of this is that, and I guess what I lament in this time is that decisions were made without any kind of consultation of the people. Mm-hmm. And I know that that you know people had to act, and so these that's why these decisions were made that they were they were made, and I'm concerned about what the future holds for us. Because like, are they as this, are we going to start seeing a continuation of decisions being made on our behalf? And I just don't trust the people making those decisions that they have my best interests at heart. And as we've seen, the government generally does not have our best interests at heart. Nope. But we've got a lot of people on the internet who seem to think that that's the case. Like, yeah. I don't trust government, but right now I do. I don't. I don't have any hard numbers, but apparently this new uh, corporate bailout is bigger than the last one. So, listen. Um, so there's a thing called the the payment the payroll protection program. The PPP mm-hmm. comes out of the Small Business Administration. Yeah. Um, money. There was a whole bunch of money marked for like a couple like billions of dollars or marked for it that was sent out to banks all over the place. Oh um, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. Well, so churches like my my parish was encouraged because we're small. Right, mm-hmm. we're a small church. Two, you know, I'm the only full time employee person, like a full time employee here. I've got two part time employees, and I make sure I want to make sure are being taken care of. And so we applied for a very, I mean, very small loan. It wasn't much at all, but it would just be enough to cover our payroll for like a month or whatever, you know. And you know, given that we are in the situation we're in, we don't have any income coming. Um, and so we churches and other nonprofits and stuff like that were encouraged to to apply for it. And so we did, and we found out we didn't get the money. Because wow. they'd already run out of the money by the time that we had applied, which, okay, a lot of places in Hawaii, a lot of places around the country are you know, applying but for, for Hawaii. But what I found out is that in Florida, um, Ruth's Chris got money from that. Wow. Wow. Like huge, like multi-million, like multi-million dollar companies. Yeah, yeah but like a billion. Ruth is a billionaire, right? Like, like- I guess, yeah. Yeah. But they got money from it. That like people like that like like my previous parish probably need the money. They ain't getting it. But they get it. And they're already talking about that they don't want to use it. They don't want to use it to pay they and they also don't want to use it to pay salaries of their workers. They want to use it for like mortgage offsets or something like that. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying I don't trust them. And we shouldn't trust them. <laughs> so that's what I say on some level. I agree with you. Level. I'm just holding my tongue on a bunch of things I want. I know. But that's what I'm saying. Like, on a little There's, level. You know slight, my thoughts on all of this. Oh, I know. I think it's a slight level. I sympathize. I sympathize with the protesters. A small level. And for yeah, reasons well, like, very different than they do. And on a, we'll say like a working class level, right? Yes. Yes. Because you won't say an ideological level. We'll correct. Not an ideological level. On a working class level, I agree with, I, I agree with, with the sentiment that 
you know, are we, you know, just, I mean, just to take it from a, last year, my mom was in the hospital and my mom's doctor was talking about, he should have a, should have an operation on her heart, a little mild, minor thing. Um, and the doctor was saying that they didn't know the full extent of what they needed to do until they did this probing, um, until they did a, they put this probe in a valve in her heart. And the doctor said that basically like in, you know, in medical science, it's, it's about weighing out harm versus help. And basically you want to say something where like the harm is minimal so that the help is greater. But if the, if the harm is great, but the help is minimal, then you don't do that. Right. I've had parishioners and I've had parishioners in, 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 in churches where the similar kind of thing, like doctors have said, you know, this is, here's an operation that would change, that would, that would fix your problem. But the, the state of your body is in, is in such a case that, you know, we're worried that even trying to do the operation could kill you and therefore, we have to weigh the costs. You know, we have to weigh this out. Um, that's sort of the ethics. That's the ethics piece. Um, where I'm curious in this whole conversation around COVID-19 is with that. Are we causing harm to people because they're losing jobs? Right. I know some people are saying, well, if we didn't do, you know, the, 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 the alternative is that if a lot of people get sick, that affects the economy worse or the potential is there. And that's that's a fair argument, I suppose. Yeah, it would have, I mean, that's that's definitely what would happen. There'd right. be you go from recession to depression if, that, right. if everyone got sick. Right. I mean, not, again, not that everyone's going to get sick, but right. it's, you know, cause but like if, if they just like let everyone go back tomorrow. Yeah. You know, but like but but I guess the point being is that. What really, really angering to me is that we're even put in this situation to even have yeah, to talk about it this way, mm-hmm. to have to be put into this either or no win scenario kind of thing that it's, you know, like people like should be able to get sick and not lose their jobs and not die. And yeah. You know, I mean. See, I, I, I guess for me, like death is a constant. Like we're all going to die, so like I'm not so worried about that. Like we're all going to die. It's going to happen eventually. Something if it's not COVID nineteen, something else going to kill us, right? Like that's that's just a reality of of existence. Um, you know, you you have a higher you have a higher chance of getting killed, getting hit by a car and dying, driving to the hospital, than you do from COVID nineteen at this point. Okay, but the fact that we're put in a situation where that we're put in this situation where because of the possibility of people getting sick, getting really sick, many dying, that we have to then put people in a situation of economic uncertainty and economic harm. Like that to me is an unacceptable reality. We should yes, be and, we we and, should be in a situation where we can tell people, hey, you need to stay home, and it's just a mild inconvenience. Uh, are you keeping a, Are you keeping all of your fingernails in a Ziploc bag? <laughs> yeah, I can't find any Kleenex boxes of my size for my shoe size. Um, I only have the little Kleenex boxes, boxes, so they just cover my toes. Really, you got to be like a, you got to be like a uh, 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 Ethan Hawke's character in Gattaca. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I now understand why in The Aviator, um, uh, Howard Hughes was spelling out quarantine while washing his hands because that's how long you had to wash your hands. Because I was doing my AB, because I do my ABCs twice. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, that's why he spells quarantine. I never got that. I thought he was just crazy, which he was. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's the funny note we're ending on. Our own little brand of gallows humor. Hey, we're really close to Music Mayhem. We are. Do we need to? Do we need to select an album to, in this episode? No. Well, I don't know. Are we going to record next week? We we should record next week. Let's. let's we're let's, not going to record. We should try to do the Picard episode next week. Let's have our let's have our big Star Trek episode next week. Let's try to get Matt. Let's try to get Father Font. We haven't had him on the show in a long time. It's been over a year. Yeah. And uh, we. Um. I I think I have an album in the hopper. I think I do too. Sweet. Um. It's not Fiona Apple's uh, new one. So uh, that's all the time we have. Uh, please, please stay safe. Yes. Uh, be vigilant. Don't be scared. Be vigilant. Yes. And that's um, good advice. That's really good advice, JP. Yeah. And uh, you know, do what you can to get your mind off things, or to. I know you know. Don't don't listen to these people who are like, oh, if you're in quarantine, you haven't done anything productive. You're failing at life. Like, no, that's not true. That's no. not. It's not the same. This is not the same thing as a holiday. If you're doing this while well, and also being productive, you're actually uh, like you're, you're doing better than most people. <laughs> that's that's a talent. Um, but still, you you need to do to do things for you. Listen, you in a nice place. Can I say I'm gonna share one thing, and then we can okay. uh, then I'll be done. And that is, there have been stories about like people having like crazy dreams mm-hmm. during during the whole social distancing quarantine thing. Yeah. Um, they're calling them like the COVID dreams or whatever. And I've the th- heard about this. And the theory that's out there is that there's nothing special about it other than people are just actually sleeping. <laughs> yeah. That's, wow, that's sad. So, so, people are finally getting rest. Use this time to rest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why so many people are taking this time to like suddenly take on a whole bunch of new tasks and challenges that they had never taken on before. Like I'm watching like colleagues of mine who've never, they never made it their normal daily practice to say morning prayer every day. And now they're doing it online every single day. Um, Like just take advantage of the fact you don't have to do as much and you can get healthy and stay healthy. That's the whole point of this is to be healthy. Yeah. The less stressed you are, the the less prone you are to uh, getting sick. Take up meditation. Yeah, Wonderful. take it up. Read a book. And also check in with your neighbors. Yes. I mean, you don't have to hang out with them, but just make sure they're doing all right. Call them, Zoom them, FaceTime them, Skype them, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, you'd be surprised how many people out there actually appreciate a text message or a phone call or a, yeah. a Zoom conference. I actually have some online friends, and we've, we've, had, we've actually uh, we had a, a little Zoom party last weekend. That was fun. Nice. And uh, we're having a little watch party. We're going to watch Titanic together. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> um, and uh, and if you know anybody in your life who works in the medical field, give them a little, you know, hey, what's up? How you doing? And Let them rant if they want. Let them vent. And let's not also forget our, the, 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 the lesser sung first line essential employees, our grocery store workers. Oh, yeah, totally. Fast food workers, mm-hmm. Uber Eats people, all of those folks. People still feeding us and taking care of us while we're, you know, yeah, doing our thing too. Yeah, 
Um, and you know, and take advantage of the opportunity also to buy local shop local if you can, because, uh, those folks really need it. Yeah. There's this great little Mexican restaurant place here and I love it because I can tell that the guy who runs it is taking really good care of his staff because they're all masked up and they have gloves and like they set up a little station to separate the customers from like the, the staff. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like seeing that, you know, that's, he's keeping his business open. But he's doing it to take care of his him and his staff. Yeah, you know, and they're taking all the precautions they can to keep us fed and to keep them going. And that's that's cool. Yep. I appreciate. I, I I respect that. So awesome. All right, take care, guys. Yep. And uh, as 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 always, good journey. Mahalo. All right, that's going to be your thing now. Is that? <laughs> I don't know. Should I should I be really inseparable and learn how to say good journey in Hawaiian and just use that Oof. as like a. I feel like there's some people whose permission you should ask before you do that. <laughs> like, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs>